0: Welcome to Awaken Podcasts. I hope you enjoy the teaching.
1: Good morning my name is Jane Berg and I am the director of spiritual formation here at Awaken and like probably many of you I watched with dismay as international um, activities played out this week and I found some measure of comfort and hope in the words of the psalmist who wrote in Psalm 147 these words. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. brokenhearted, and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord, and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse. Nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love.
0: You may have a seat. Uh, This morning, we have the privilege of welcoming some new partners to Awaken, so while I explain that process, those of you who are coming up for partnership, if you would make your way up, uh, what a church normally calls membership at Awaken, we call partnership. Uh, Language is really important, and we think this is a whole lot more about a partnership than it is a membership in any kind of club or, you know, country club or fitness club or whatever right but that these are partners in the work of the church so you guys come on up here right up on stage you know we won't see your faces it's lovely it's beautiful uh so we've got haley and luke peterson aaron blaze and john pontinen and jackie and vince vaughn uh, being welcome for partnership so friends i'll ask you a few questions and then i'll ask them a few questions and then we'll pray for you sound good all right So, uh, to those of you who are here to be welcomed as partners in the work of the gospel of Jesus and of AWAKEN, do you affirm faith in Jesus Christ? If so, answer, I do. And do you intend to honor your commitments to participate fully in the life of the church by being present with your mind, body, and soul, by committing a portion of your resources to the mission of the church as an act of worship, and by using your gifts for the sake of the gospel? so, answer, I do. Do you intend to pray for the vision of the church and the leaders who serve here? Uh, to the partners uh, at Awaken this morning, if you're in the room, if you would please stand in solidarity with your friends, and uh, hearing these commitments made by your brothers and sisters to the, uh, this morning to the life of the church, do you remember the commitments that you've made, and will you renew them again this morning? If so, answer, we remember. You may be seated. Uh, let me offer a prayer for you guys. I'm going to actually stand behind you, so let me scoot back here. Um, you know, Jen, why don't you come on up here? I see you in the front row. Are there any other, like, um, PAT team members or staff? Come on up here. Yeah, if you're here. Yeah, there we go, Troy. It's great. So we'll just gather around you guys and offer a word of prayer for you. God, we thank you for, um, for these who have come and said yes to not only you, but to your church. Uh, we recognize that Awaken is one small Um, drop in the ocean that is your movement, your good news in the world. And so we pray for not only these, but our brothers and sisters around the world um, that this morning and um, in the lives of those who follow you, good news would be in the world. I pray for the work of these hands, for the gifts and passions and talents that you've placed in the lives of these individuals, and we thank you for uh, their investment in in joining in the work at Awaken. Um, So we pray your blessing on them Pray in Christ's name and by the power of the Spirit. Church said together. Amen. Amen. Let's welcome these folks. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Uh, If you would stand for just a moment, greet some people around you. Usually in the past, they call this passing the peace, so feel free to do that if you would for just a second. All right, friends, if you want to make your way back to your seats, that would be fantastic. Hopefully you enjoyed the little jazz interlude there. I've got a few uh, Spotify playlists, you know, like radio stations in my Spotify, and one of them is called Jazz for Autumn. I don't know why it's Jazz for Autumn or what makes it autumn jazz. Like, I'll let you know once I find jazz for spring what that's like, but my kids, uh, they have a love-hate relationship with it, you know, they're like, Dad, this is a little weird, you know, I play this in the kitchen when we're making meals and whatever, but I say to them, you know, when you have your own mortgage and you're paying for it, you can choose the radio station. And until then, it's jazz for autumn, friends. So um, welcome to you. If you are new at Awaken, we're so glad you're here. My name's Micah. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, we'd love to know that you were here, if you are. Um, and in the seat pockets in front of you or on the Internet, there's a QR code in the back. You can scan and fill out a little uh, a welcome card that lets us know that you're here. Someone from our team will reach out and invite you out for a beverage of your choice. Those cards, if you fill them out, and tithes and offerings can go in the black boxes at the exits as you go. We're grateful for both of those gifts. Um, A few announcements: Ash Wednesday is this week, March the second, so we'll have an Ash Wednesday gathering, six thirty p.m. right here in this building. Um, Pretty traditional Ash Wednesday service, so we'll uh, impose ashes, and there'll be communion, Eucharist available. Reflective, meditative time as we begin the the Lenten journey. So, want to invite you to that. Thursday night this week, uh, there's an artist mingle, Melody leads those, and so um, that's at 7 p.m. I'm pretty sure that's a Zoom um, virtual meeting at this point, so uh, on the website. And then there's an Awaken Weekly that goes out every week by email if you're not subscribed to that. All the details are always in there. Uh, And last but not least, uh, there is a silent retreat. Um, Our staff just got back from Pachamon Terrace, this little Catholic hermitage we go to every year. And I'm going to go ahead and close that door. Um, Sorry, pal. I don't know who that is. But man, they're having a rough go. That's my... Some people wonder, like, does Micah have ADD? And we're not really sure about that. But when that kind of thing happens, the answer is yes. I just... And we're talking about a silent retreat, you know? It's like we just need to be zen. And that was not helping. I'm trying to sell this to the people. (laughs) Um, So... Silent Retreat, Potchum, during Lent. Uh, We do this every year for folks in the community and just a chance to get away and be still, to to be quiet. Long enough for our souls to come out and play, right? And uh, Jane leads that. So if you're interested, please, um, you can email her, Jane at Awaken West 7th, or check out the details online. Sound good? All right, gang. If you have your Bibles, find them. Uh, We're in Matthew chapter 4 today. We're finishing our series called The Life and Teachings of Jesus for the last seven or eight weeks, I think. We've been gathering around the well, uh, trying to discern and, and, and learn from the teachings of Jesus that we really want to shape us, that we think are important as followers of Jesus, uh, things that we want to inform our life as individuals, but also as a community together. Um, a few weeks ago, we, uh, I think it was week two, we talked about the kingdom of God, this idea right, that Jesus talks about so much, and um, uh, actually when Jesus comes out of the desert so he's baptized by John in the beginning of the gospel and he goes into the desert or excuse me baptized by John goes into the desert uh, is tempted and then comes out of the desert and the first thing he talks about is the kingdom of God and one word that we're gonna spend the rest of our time this morning thinking about and talking about so I'll invite Larissa if you would come and she's gonna read our passage for the, the morning and if you are able I'd invite you to stand for the reading of the text uh, Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 12.
1: Matthew four twelve through 17. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulon and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles... The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near.
0: Pray with me. God, this morning as we gather around, we hear the words of the prophet Isaiah, spoken so long ago. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And sometimes it's easy to believe that that's true. Sometimes it's harder to believe that's true. I'm guessing for a lot of people around the world today, that's a tough one to believe. But we hear those words, and um, with a, whatever faith we can muster, we, we, we claim, we believe, we affirm that that's true That in Christ a light has dawned and even amidst violence and war and death that there is a word spoken in death but it's not the last word. And even as we enter the Lenten season and move and make our way towards the cross and resurrection, we remember that death doesn't get the final word. And so would you bring light to brothers and sisters in Ukraine today? Would you bring light to brothers and sisters around the world, who are in governments or s- countries or communities where uh, where it's dark, would you be, Would you be and would you bring light? We pray in the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit. The church said together, Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Repent. 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 Uh, that's what I want to talk about today. Repentance. <laughs> so I'm curious, just, um, you know, sometimes we do all play questions at Awaken where i I actually want you to respond. This is one of those times. So when I say the word repent or repentance, I'm curious what rises up. Feelings. Or what associations you have, what you think about when you hear the word repent. Anxiety. Anxiety. Product, of guilt. Product of guilt. Yeah. Serpent. The serpent. serpent. Do you play Wordle? You totally should play Wordle. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, did anyone see my friend's Lordle thing on Facebook? If you check Facebook for Lordle... My pastor friends that I went to San Diego with were like, this could be fun. It's called Our Daily Lordle. It's totally a joke, and my pastor friends made it, so you should check it out. Serpent, sorry, back to you. Um, repent, what else do you think of? Change directions, Change directions. what else? A
1: person with a sign on the corner.
0: Yes, usually with a bullhorn, sign and a bullhorn, yep. Anything else? John, Baptist. John the Baptist, yeah, he was. he said that a lot repent repent for the kingdom of heaven is near repent for the kingdom of God is near repent from your sins repent or you're going to um yeah I I think first hour was real down on the word there was a lot of negative connotations a lot of negative associations with the word repent and if I'm being honest I go there when I hear the word repent it's hard for me not to see bullhorn guy you know on the corner yelling at people repent um You know, hellfire and brimstone preachers who get up there and sort of, like, use this as a weapon. Repent, 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 or you're going to go to hell forever. No one has ever come back from that to tell us if that's true. So the jury's out on that one, as, you know, a lot of things. But repent. Uh, So today, what I want to do, what I want to try to do, is... uh, Back up from that, whatever preconceived notions we have about repentance and repenting and repent, and I want to try to unlearn some things maybe that we have stuck in here uh, about this word that might not be true or helpful, and I want to try to cast a vision for what I think the scriptures are getting at when they, when we read the word repent, because if we're honest and we're reading the Bible, we have to say that repentance and repent is a pretty major theme in Scripture, right? We hear it a lot in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, it's a part of Jesus' teachings, right? He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So three questions are going to guide our time together. The first of which is, what is repentance? Just a good old-fashioned word study, right? We're going to unpack that. What is it? Um, what are we repenting from? And then we'll land on, why is it important? Why is the idea of repentance important In Scripture and for our lives. So uh, let's start with number one. What is repentance? Uh, I think sometimes it's helpful to define a word by showing the contrast or what something is not. So I would suggest to you that repentance is not connected to an angry God sort of hell bent on punishment and blood. That's not what repent is about in the Bible. It is not primarily talking about or connected to the afterlife in the Bible. It's not about heaven and hell in the Bible. Though Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, it's not about what we often think about when we think of heaven. He's talking about something very different. So it's not primarily about the afterlife. It's not about, like, harming oneself, uh, you know, repent. Think, um, you know, kind of self-inflicted, uh, what do they call those things? Um, you know, penance or or other inflict, like someone else inflicting harm. It's not about that either. It's, it's not... Um, It's not primarily about being sorry or remorseful. When we say repent, I think in English, maybe even by definition, uh, remorse or being sorry, regret comes up. But in the Bible, it's far deeper than that. Actually, repentance is rooted in divine love. It's rooted in God's desire for flourishing, like here and now, on this planet, in this life, not somewhere else. It's I presume, connected to the afterlife, though, again, I've never been there. No one's returned from it to tell us. It's about healing and living today. Repent. So, some of you know that in the Bible, there are two languages present. In the Old Testament, there's Hebrew, and in the New Testament, there's Greek. And uh, like any language, when you translate a word, you don't always get, like, some things get lost in translation. And, um... And even in in one language, a word which we read repent and then another word in another language which we read repent actually are somewhat different. And that happens to be the case on this one. Not like completely dissimilar, but they are different from one another. So let's take them in turn. Hebrew, teshuva, comes from the verb shuv and it literally means to return or turn around. Thank you, Nick. To return or turn around. So um and as in the case with Hebrew, when you want to understand what a word means when it's used in, in, in the text with Hebrew, there's a uh, sort of a tool that you can use and apply called first usage. So when you find a word in Hebrew and you want to know like, what does it mean or how is the writer using it? There's always this reference to or looking back to the first usage of that word in scripture. So if you ask, well, where's the first usage of the word shuv or teshuva in scripture? The answer to that question Bible trivia, remember, right? A couple weeks ago, it's Genesis one, two, and three. So we're back to Genesis chapter three. All good, everything in the Bible comes back to it. Genesis three nineteen reads, "By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return, shuv, to the ground, since you are taken, since from it you were taken, from dust you are, and dust you will return, shuv." Ironically, that's what we say to each other at Ash Wednesday. From ashes you've come and ashes you will return. Repent. Shuv. So in Hebrew, repentance, it's all about turning around or returning, right? You're in the grocery store. You need peanut butter. Because a house without peanut butter is no house at all. Amen. Amen. And you're walking down the aisle and you pass the peanut butter. And then it dawns on you, you remember, I need peanut butter. And so you turn around. You return to peanut butter. You've repented. And depending on what kind of peanut butter you get, it's degrees of repentance, right? There, I was. We just went up to Pacham, and I usually get the little bag, the little like squeeze bag of the almond butter with honey, and sometimes maple. I don't can't remember who makes those. Justin's, thank you. They're lovely. Little apple on the apple, <laughs> so good. You know, you're in a hermitage all by yourself. They just give you fruits and nuts, so you got to get some peanut butter. I met vee and they didn't have those, so I, I'm I'm on the fly. I gotta I gotta throw. I, uh, I gotta call an audible and I found High V makes an almond butter with honey. You guys, it was a total game changer. It's a highlight of my week being in that cabin, this almond butter. It's so good. So that is free, but if you get that, it is a very high level of repentance, right? You're driving down the road. You got your kid in the car, or your friend, and you gotta return. You gotta uh, you gotta drop them off at a house. And so you're driving down the street, and you pass the house, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I passed the house!" And you turn around and you go back. You've repented. It's that simple. It's not about any of the things that we attach to it. In Hebrew, it's just to return from whence you've come. Greek. It's the word. Uh, Meta noeo or metanoia. It means to change one's mind, purpose, thoughts, or perceptions. You have this particular thought or perception of someone or something, and then you come upon new information and you change your mind. I just met somebody a, <clears throat> a couple of uh, months ago, and I have a pretty good radar on like people. You know, when you meet somebody for the first time, you kind of get a sense. I'm usually pretty close. On this one, though, I was way off, like w- miserably off. <clears throat> Did not like this person that much when I first met them. And I'm like, I don't think we're going to be friends. <laughs> and it turns out I was, way, I was wrong, very wrong. And so I've, I've repented. I've changed my mind about this person. And now I'm acting differently based on this new perception, this new mindset. Repent, right? So you put these two words together. Teshuvah, or shuv, and metano, metanoia, metanoia, uh, to return, to turn around, to change one's mind, to change your perception. This is the biblical picture of the word repent. So when we read repent in the scriptures and we import all those things that we've mentioned here into it, it it's, it's not what it's saying. So that's baggage. And you can leave that at baggage claim or with the baggage handlers, you know, when you check in at the airport. I don't know where all that comes from. I have some sneaky suspicions. But that's not what the Bible is saying, all right? So let's start there. Now, what are we repenting from? What are we turning from? Why are we turning around? Why are we changing our mind, our perception, our disposition? Uh, And since we're talking about dirty words in church this morning, uh, let's not stop with one. You know, repent. Let's talk about sin. Welcome to Awaken, everybody. We're glad you're here. Today, we're going to talk about sin. And, you know, uh, people like me with collars and robes and whatnot, they oftentimes, I don't know what churches you've been to, but I spent a lot of my childhood and they talked a lot about sin. And I just have taken a different tack on that one. Did you know that's a sailing term, by the way? I've taken a different approach on that. And that is, I don't think you need me to beat you up with this about that. I think you probably know that every day you fail miserably at uh, living up to the standard and your your hopes and dreams for your life. Um, and so I don't need you, I don't need to do that. but. I do think it's important because when we're talking about repentance, it, it does enter the conversation. So let's do this again. Um, maybe you're getting what I'm doing here, right? Here's a word that we think one thing about, but it turns out in Hebrew and Greek, it's a far different thing. Here's another word that we think something's about, but it turns out, or does it? In Hebrew, it's chata. In Greek, it's hamartia. Chata means to fail or to go astray, to miss the goal. And actually in the Bible, when it's used, it's, it's often not connected to religious ideas at all. So in Judges chapter 20, there are this group of Benjamites, son of my right hand, and they train a group of people, all left-handers, by the way. I don't know why, but those of you who are lefties in the room, this one's for you. They train a group of lefties with slingshots. And it says in Judges 20 that they could aim at a hair and not chata. Not miss. They took aim and they didn't miss. Hata, or the wisdom writer in Proverbs chapter nineteen, when he encourages us, uh, uh, warns us in some ways, but uh, don't make hasty decisions because you're more likely to hata, to miss your goal, your destination, your mark. So hata to miss the mark, to miss the goal. Uh, Greek, hamartia, literally means to miss the mark. If you think about like, uh, you know, a bow and arrow, this was a great camp illustration, you know, when you were a kid at camp and they took you to the archery range and they're like, kids, let's give you a lesson about sin. See that bullseye down there? You're going to draw back your bow, you're going to let that arrow go, and you're going to try to hit that target. And when you miss the target, friends, you've sinned. That's what sin is in the Bible. I actually did that when I was a camp counselor, so it's been a while, but... <laughs> dusting it off but that's what that's kind of the board picture right there's a target out there and you're trying to hit that target and when you sort of miss the target you've sinned for me the the, like the, the, the greatest word picture is the boundary waters if you've ever been in the boundary waters you've been in a canoe The Boundary Waters are tricky, right, because you've got a map and it shows you all the islands and then you look up and it just all looks the same. You can't tell what, where, is that an island or is that just that, you know? There's no depth perception and so you point the canoe at what you think is the target and you pray to God there's someone in the back who can steer because that's a bad day, right? We've all been there before. Oh my gosh, drives me batty. Shortest distance between two points is a straight line, not a zigzag, okay? Okay. So you point your canoe, you point your canoe at the target, and then you get there and you realize, oh my gosh, the target was actually over there. That's the tip of the island that we're trying to go to. You've sinned. Grossly. You've wasted a whole bunch of time and energy going that direction. Isn't that a great, like, word picture for sin? You just put all this time and energy into going this way, and then you find out, like, it's all for loss. It does not get you where you want to go. So... You jump out of the canoe and you throw your no. You just change your direction. You just point the canoe in a different. You take a different tack, right? So the goal. Well, oh, um, in the Bible, to sin is to miss the mark, to be off course, right? It's a failure to reach the goal, which begs the question: What is the goal then? And then, of course, we're back to Genesis one and two. And I've put the goal for the li- for life as I find it in the Bible, in my own words, and here it is, friends, this is for you today. The goal of life, according to the Bible, in Genesis 1 and 2, is to love God and other humans with the honor, dignity, and respect they deserve because they are either the divine source or bear the image of the divine. The goal of life, to be a human on the planet, to be connected with the maker, the the divine creator, and each other and the world that we live in, is to, oops, sorry, Back. There we are, to love God and other humans with the honor, dignity, and respect that they are due because they're either God or made in the image of God. That's the the target. That's the goal, right? So sin is when we miss that. It's when the desires and urges that creep up in me to act on my own for my own benefit at cost to you. That's sin. And actually, if you go back to the first, like moment of sin in the bible it's genesis 4 cain and abel right and what does it say about sin it says that sin is crouching at the door waiting for you to overtake you and isn't that what happens cain who's a human like sets down his humanity and acts like an animal like a beast takes the life of his brother and actually if you follow that Sort of motif through scripture, you find it all over, where humans are acting more like beasts than they are human. And that, my friends, is sin. It's any time that I act for my own benefit at cost to you, my neighbor. When I treat you with less than what you are due, or God, or myself, actually. Let's not forget that. And this is the story of the Bible. We read these stories and we're like, oh my gosh, how did you not get it? It's like so clear. It's right in front of you and you were told where to go and then you went that way. And it's easy to like see them on those pages and think those things, but isn't that your life? (laughs) Isn't that my life? We're just like, I lay down at night and I just like in those quiet moments when I close my eyes and I realize, oh my gosh. I'm so embarrassed. I'm ashamed of myself. I, I know that I know that I know that that does not bring life and yet I just keep saying yes. I feel like Paul wrote something about that. So why is it important? Why is repentance important then? If this is what it means to repent in the Bible, to turn, to return, to to change one's mind or disposition or p- perception and if sin is this, missing of the mark or the goal, which is to love God and neighbor and self in in ways that honor and give dignity, then why why is repentance so important? I'll say it simply. It's the only thing you can do. It's the only thing that is in your control. It's the only thing that you have agency in. There are something, there's one thing you can do, and there's something you cannot do, which is to change this heart of stone into a heart of flesh, right? Which is why I lay down at night, and every night I'm like, I did it again. You did it again. What you have agency in is repent, repentance, and turning a different direction. What you can't do, clearly. Otherwise, if someone figured that one out, man, sayonara Jeff Bezos. Like, you'd be fish food compared to this guy or gal. Probably would be a gal if someone did figure it out, you know. But either way you, it, we can't do it. So, here's what I want to I want to end in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Maybe a bit bizarre, but I think it will I think it will you'll see it in a second. Deuteronomy chapter 3. Why is repentance so important? Deuteronomy chapter 30. This is the end of Moses' life, right? This is the last book of Torah. It's kind of the re-giving of the law before it's his, he's in the locker room with his team. He's the coach and he's like, "This is it, friends. You're about to take the dice. You're about to go out on the field. And before you do, I just have one last thing to tell you. And it is so vitally important that you get this. And that's Deuteronomy chapter 30. Here's what it reads. When all the blessings and curses that I have set before you, pause, the chapter before, he's just gone over... 14 verses of blessing. He's like, if you do this, this is what's coming. It's God, God's going to bless your crops. God's going to bless your animals. God's going to bless your family. God's going to bless your land. He's going to bless your car. He's going to God's going to bless you like you won't even know what you're going to do with yourself. 14 verses of it. And like 54 verses of curses. Man, that's a bad day, bro. Moses, come on. Just back it off a little. Throttle down. But how does he think of this thing's going to go? Well, he says, when... When all the blessings and curses I've said before you, come on you and you take them to heart, wherever the Lord disperses you among the nations. So here he's tipping his hand. He's like, I don't think this is going to go well for you guys, but either way. When you and your children return, chata, when you return to the Lord, your God, and obey, think, listen, not like, you know, force obey. Do as I tell you to, get in line, soldier. No, obey is to hear in God's voice. When you return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart, soul, and mind, according to everything I've commanded you, then the Lord will restore, shuv, same word, the Lord will restore your fortunes and have compassion. Rechem means to womb like a mother does to a baby in her body. That's what God will do to you. God will have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations that you've been scattered, even if you have been banished. To the most distant land under the heavens. From there. From the other side of East Bethel. The Lord God will gather you back. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors. And you will take possession of it. He will make you prosperous and numerous. So the blessing that was promised God will be faithful to give. Now look at verse 6. Something changes. The Lord God will circumcise your hearts. And the hearts of your descendants, so that you may obey. No, different word. So that you may love God. You can obey someone and not love them. What we are just desperately in need of learning how to do is to be in a love relationship with God. What I cannot do is turn this heart of stone into a heart of flesh. You look at chapter 30 verses 1 to 6 and there's like two very clear sections friends verses 2 to 5 it is all on you it this is what th- this is what you can do repentance is always 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 available to you always it is always there it's like your next move it's always your next move can be it's as close as the next breath you take It's never not available to you. You can always turn around. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how dark it is. It doesn't matter how embarrassed you might be or how awful the thing that you've done or you think that you've done is. It doesn't matter. Repentance is always right next to you. You can do it. You can choose it. You can turn around. To say, I don't want to go that direction anymore. That does not get me where I want to go. It didn't bring me life. It's actually over there. So to repent, it's always available to you. And you, that's on you. It's not all God, nor is it all you. It's a combination of both. Deuteronomy 30 shows us that repentance is always available. And what is promised is that God will be faithful to bring you back, to welcome you, to womb you. Ah, wouldn't you want to be wombed? Like, man, nothing's wrong there. Right? It's just, just light and wonder and sound and beauty, I, I think. Did you know that the mikvah in Jewish life, the ceremonial tank that you would you would bathe in, it actually has 40... I can't remember the term, but let's call it leaders. By law, according to Jewish law, 40 liters of water, or 40 whatever the term is. How many weeks in a, baby, in a, in a womb? 40, friends. The mikvah is supposed to womb you. It's supposed to remind you of where you've come from, and what it means to be held. You're supposed to submerse yourself in the water, and not touch any of the walls, or the floor, or be out of the water. That is to be in God's presence. I don't know what you believe about God or what you heard or learned or who told you, but the scriptures are painting a very compelling picture that God is like Jesus and that God will be faithful on that promise to welcome you back and also that God is interested and wants to do the work that only God can do which is to circumcise your heart which is to mark you, like to transform you, to change you. When a baby was born in Israel, they were circumcised on the eighth day. Why? So they were marked and known as a part of the community. And hopefully then they would live into like, what does it mean to be an Israelite? This is what Paul talks about in the New Testament. You can be circumcised in the flesh, but what really matters is that your heart is circumcised, that your heart is not circumcised, but transformed, changed. Friends, I've been trying 45 years to change this heart, and I just can't do it, and neither can you. Good news, though. Up till now, this has been a pretty depressing sermon, but the tides are turning, friends. Good news. Good news. Not doom and gloom. Not hell and brimstone. Good news that the God of the universe has said, I will welcome you home. You just turn around, and I will be there. Those are the eyes you'll see. You you remember the prodigal son? Gosh, what a great story. It's not just because it's a great story. Because it's telling you what God is like after you blew it, after you just squandered it, after you gave God the middle finger, not that God was like doing taxes and wondering, oh, I wonder where that stupid kid of mine, no, was waiting, waiting for them to turn around. Is that what God is like or not? If it is, (sighs) hallelujah. Hallelujah good news friends sometimes I feel like a broken record I've been doing this a long time and I keep coming back to a few things that I say over and over and over again and that is either God is like Jesus or not either God is petty and vindictive and hell bent on punishing sinners or God is like Jesus and I think that this book is telling the story that God is more like Jesus than the other. And so I just want to offer you that this morning. I think good news. To repent, we all need it. You need to repent. I need to repent. Like right now of things that are in my life and in this heart of mine. And you do too and you know it. So what we know to be true is when we do, that the God who shows up in the face of Jesus is waiting and ready by the Spirit in present in our lives to do the work we can, not to change us and transform us, to begin, a, to, to complete a work that's that's begun in us, to tra- change and transform moment by moment, where we learn new habits and we, what does Paul say? We become a new creation. So I don't know how you came in here today. I don't know what you think you need in life Uh, Or what you don't think you need in life. But I would just offer this to you for your consideration. That there is good news, friends. In the midst of darkness, to those who are walking in great darkness, a light has dawned. And that light is Jesus. And Jesus says, first thing he says coming out of the desert is repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn around. Whatever direction you're going that's not bringing life, turn around. It's about right here and right now. It's not about pie in the sky after you die. It's certainly not, not about that, I think. Again, no one's been back to tell us if we're right on that one. But it is about this, right here, right now, with your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members, that there would be shalom, that we would treat one another, the goal, right? Okay, I'll stop. Let me offer a word of prayer, a few moments of silence. And as we move towards that, is there anything that you know you need to repent from? Maybe there's just a habit you're developing. Maybe there's a something you're not doing or something you want to do or something that maybe it's about someone else or maybe it's about yourself. Uh, is there anything that you know you're off course on? We'll have a moment here in just a minute to just say that between you and, and God. And if, if, if I could invite you, would you dare to ask God to change your heart? To do the work that only God can do by the Spirit. So pray with me. God, as we take a moment this morning and consider these words, repent for the kingdom of God, the way of the divine is at hand, is near. Would you do the work that you promised to do in us by the presence of your spirit to just illuminate, to turn on whatever lights need to be turned on in our hearts? And may we find the courage to say, here I am, Hineni, to turn around and to receive the the love that you want to give, the healing that you want to give. So do that work right now, I pray, God. This morning as we close, we want to make our way to the communion table, which is fitting. For this morning. Um, I'm trying to get a sense if there are kids in the room. First hour we hit, we, we usually bless the kids when they come up and we give them honey. Um, we do, okay, there are a few. So Jen and I will start, we're gonna invite the kids to come down and we'll, we'll speak a blessing over them, a hope that the word of God would be like honey on their lips. Then we'll invite adults, you can make your way down from the sides, grab some sanitizer and the communion elements will meet you there there's gluten free bread uh, red wine and white grape juice Uh, and you'll hear the words the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you which we believe is true so on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took bread and he broke it he said this is my body broken for you whenever you eat of it do it in remembrance of me in the same way he took a cup and he blessed it and said this is my blood which is shed for you so whenever you, whenever you do this, remember me. This is, I want to remind you, this is the table of the Lord. It's not the churches. It's made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have a lot of faith, a little bit of faith, or maybe not much faith at all. You who have been here often or not been here for a long time or ever before. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. So come not because I invite you, but because the Christ, the resurrected one, invites you to come and be fed. Well, my friends, it's so good to see your faces, good to be together. My hope and prayer is that you leave knowing from the bottom of your feet to the tips of your head this blessing. That the Lord blesses you and keeps you. Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The church said together, amen. Grace and peace. See you next week. find us online at www.arakencommunity.com Dot com. or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Community. See you next time.